Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Week and on Fleek. For today's very special super duper episode, we're going to talk about our favorite actor and actress. I know that we're not supposed to have those gender things in there anymore, but got to do it somehow. Um, so, and this is not, hold on just a minute here. It doesn't necessarily have to be the ultimate favorite actor or actress we have, but it is at least one of our favorite actor actresses to. It's the actor of the moment when we were asked. Right. So we, we both asked each other to choose a favorite actor and favorite actress. So who did and you then, say, Richard? Hmm? Who did you say? Who did I say? For my favorite actor, I think that this will come as no surprise <laughs> to anyone who has listened to probably, probably squeezed him into most episodes of the podcast somehow. I found a way to talk about him. Is my man, Sir Sean Connery, is my favorite actor. Um, and my favorite actress is Emma Thompson. Were the there you go. I listed. And you? I was surprised, actually, at that answer. Not Sean Connery. I mean, like... I was about yeah. to say. Mm, not, not surprised at all. But Emma Thompson, I was like, I'm okay. I'm okay, I like it. I'm very <laughs> fond of her. Uh, yeah, I am too. And I was very, very glad, actually, that you ended up saying that. Um, and I chose Sam Rockwell as Best Actor and Sam, uh, Best Actress. I chose Saoirse Ronan. Saoirse, it took me uh, watching a length of uh, video to figure out and practice the pronunciation of her name. And I still will butcher it if I... It Saoirse, not, Saoirse, Saoirse. I say both. Saoirse, Saoirse, Saoirse. And, and I think that's... Not, it's not that it's hard to pronounce. It's that my brain sees the spelling of her name and then it says that pronunciation and my brain is like, no, it's <laughs> not add, that's not match. So it's uh, Saoirse. Yeah. And so for Saoirse, I select the movie Hannah. And for that was Sam Hannah Rock, with an H. Hannah. H-A-N-N-A. Uh, and for Sam Rockwell, I selected the film Matchstick Men. That was the that was another little fun layer of this because we personally named favorite actor actress and the opposite person chose uh, the films. So right. I got to choose for Sean and for Emma, and Richard chose for Sam and Sersha because we're on a first name basis. Yes. So. <laughs> Thank you for explaining what I failed to explain and just went ahead and said the movie. Title. Well, again, we got to be there for each other. We got to be there. So, right. Um, so, Matchstick Man and Hannah, and that's in huge, like Marvel status, giant letters, capitalized mm-hmm. Blood Ride, <clears throat> Hannah. So, you kind of get the, the feeling of the film right off the bat, the beginning and the very end, Hannah, right there. And I was interested that it was H A N N A not H-A-N-N-A-H, which you you see more than any other way of spelling. So this is like, this is an individual. Quite we'll true. talk about that later. But anyway. So what were then, your two films that you selected for, for my peeps? I chose Murder on the Orient Express for Sean Connery. And I chose, and that's 1975. There's been two of them. And there's a fun little connection about Murder on the Orient Express, which ended up happening because I also chose um, 
Much Ado About Nothing, 1993 film for Emma Thompson. And Emma Thompson um, plays a very major role in that film. And she plays opposite her, the man she was married to at that time, Kenneth Branagh, who directed and uh, wrote and, or screenplay adapted and, you know, a whole host of other things. Right. Uh, probably catered the thing because he was like probably. the major creative force behind the film besides Sir William himself. Um, and like while we're on that tangent, he is genius. He's genius. And we've talked about other directors being on the genius level. He's on my short list. Absolutely. So that is the connection because Murder on the Orient Express was was remade not too many years ago by mm-hmm. Ken Frenick. And he played um he played um Hercule Poirot, the detective. Yes. <clears throat> that that part was not played by Sean in this nineteen seventy five adaptation. No. He played uh, one of the some of the smaller roles of um Dr. Abutnot. Um and but he did a good job with that. So those are the four films we have kind of coming out of left fields. We got different genres right. here. We've got different time periods. It's like generational differences. Mm-hmm. And so an interesting discussion ahead of us awaits us. So let's get to it. We can please. So uh, very quickly, uh, in terms of familiarity with these four films, I was familiar with Much Ado About Nothing, having previously seen it a few times. Uh, I had seen Hannah once, but it had been very many years ago. And so what about you? What was your familiar, oh, and Matchstick Men I'd never seen, and Murder on the Orient Express I had never seen. So what about you? What was your familiarity? I'd never seen any of any four of these films. Oh, wow. I hadn't seen any of them. I'd seen the newest Murder on the Orient Express. Okay. I liked that film. Um, so. But So I knew the storyline, Agatha Christie story. Right. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I'd never seen any of the four. So this was an extra fun little uh, treasure. Okay. So um, we can on fleek and I believe it is your turn to lead. Okay. So give, give me your week. Okay. Um, my week, you just mentioned uh, having seen it. So Saoirse Ronan, um, she does, she's just phenomenal. And the reasons why I list her as being up there for me as best actress, she just inhabits the roles that she's in and they're very honest and she's so compelling. And it's not like, it's not like she's so compelling. Like sometimes you watch us, you know, something and it's so captivating. You can't notice the other things around her. She manages to be captivating, but also let the things around her shine as well that is like extremely rare for a performer. She just, she, she does her thing. She's absolute professional. I mean, I don't know like behind the scenes stuff, but I assume from what I have seen of her doing other films that she is very much so the professional uh, backstage, but on, on camera, she inhabits the role. She does her thing where it's just like 100% but the people around her are also very, very good. And I, I feel like I've heard that before in some of my acting experience that you can tell a good actor because they make good the people around them better. Right. I remember specifically having a, an experience being on stage with somebody who was like 
obviously a fantastic actress and everybody acknowledged her to be so. And after the course of doing this play with her, <clears throat> I finally started reacting to her instead of just, you know, whatever, doing my, my part. And I found so much more satisfaction in that. And, and I, like, I, I cite it to her, her ability as an actress. Um, and I learned a lot from her just, just having that experience. So anyway, I feel like Sersha is kind of the same, the same thing. She must be because she just, she gives these performances that are incredible. So that being said, she was playing a, an 11 year old kid, I guess. Like, can you even say she was 11 years old? Cause I'm sure she was not 11 years old when she did this, but. Um, no, I, did it say that she was 11 in Hannah? I don't know. I feel like somewhere she was 11. I thought it said that she was 14 or 15. Oh, you're probably right. I think she was in her early, you know, or mid teens. Well, at whatever, whatever rate it's, she's somewhere in there. The, the first number is a one. <clears throat> at any rate, she's young. You see her and she's, she's kind of a, a blank slate. Right. And I think that plays a lot to your character. So whoever was, you know, producing and had these ideas, um, that was a, that was a good call. Um, and anyway, this film has a lot of virtues. She being probably the biggest one. I do like Eric Bana and Kate Blanchett. Uh, Kate Blanchett is on my short list of actresses for sure. Um, <clears throat> however, Kate is so good and she's been so good for so long. I also feel like, and I feel like I might get struck by lightning for saying this, <laughs> but it's almost like she breaks the fifth or the fourth wall because she's like, I know how good and important I am. And sometimes you sense that in roles more than other times. And I felt like this role, you sensed it a lot. And it was like, you know, hey, I'm Kate Blanchett. <laughs> I'm here to play the bad guy. So um, that was, was one of the things that I didn't like in this film and why I've chosen it to be my weakest. Um, I also felt like the plot, very uh, just diluted. Like, what in the heck is going on? And like, it's kind of like sci-fi and there's some thriller aspects and mystery. And so they don't want to give you all the pieces at one time. And I don't like it when they do anyway, but, but there was so little leaked out that I was like, you know, like scratching my head the whole time. And like, did I miss something? Did, did I miss a key, the key part? And I think it was just, it was too much that was left to the imagination for a long time. And like all, all we know is that she can shoot animals um, and gut them, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> and that like her dad um, has been preparing her for like a quote unquote spy life and um, hashtag spy life. Um, and like legit, you know, whatever, whatever is going on, it's, it's, it's pretty heavy and heavy enough to where she has this, um, uh, mission that she's got to accomplish mm. and she takes this woman out this Kate Blanchett character or you know basically live out in her own forever but like mm. that's all she knows so what happens when the mission is completed I'm not sure she knows that either and that's where the film ends up leaving her is this girl and she's all alone like is she an assassin yeah can she take care of herself yeah absolutely However, like, what are, what are the skills that have really prepared her to do anything now? 
Right. We don't know. There's no Hannah too. And I don't think there should be because, um, because like I said before, the plot is too diluted. Um, and there's also some nasty, nasty killing scenes and like intense. I'm not one for that stuff anyway, but there was some real like times where I was covering my eyes and cowering mm-hmm. and stuff like, Oh, that was a bit much. A little bit much. <laughs> um, <clears throat> also had that, that, uh, Dudu played one of the bad guys from uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yep. I don't know his name, <clears throat> but I liked his tracksuit. So, <laughs> 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 like big bird yellow tracksuit. He was so cool. <clears throat> um. Anyway, but there was just there were some good good virtuous parts to it. Like you know, there was an uh, kind of an air of uh, mystery thriller, also kind of magic. And yeah. wonder stuck in there, which is those are those are good. Those are virtues. The director Joe Wright, uh, who did the film Atonement, and uh, you know has done some other fairly big pictures, um, said that he was trying to do a modern version of a grim fairy tale, which is heavily, uh, you know, if you're paying any level of attention and you hear that, you're like, oh yeah, since you you know, put this, this, and this in there. And they say, yeah, they actually do say grim. Mm-hmm. There's a yep. grim reference in there. Yeah, I can see that. But I think I would have preferred it being being read to me versus seeing it on the screen, even with the fantastic Saoirse Ronan. Right. So what was your week? So I, I would go ahead and say before I, I disparage any of these films, all of them were good. None of them I watched and said, Ugh, you know, this is trash or I dislike this or, um, you know, anything like that. Even the, the weakest to me still had redemptive value to it. Um, I'm, I'm with you on Hannah and the weak points that you already cited. Um, it's, a, it's a hard film to watch. Um, it's, it's violent, it's bleak. It, it is kind of simultaneously at times it feels like they're trying to make a deep statement, but it also feels rather shallow um, yeah. at points. Um, fantastic actors, uh, fun and interesting score, uh, talented director, um, you know, I, and an interesting film. Certainly I think worth viewing. Uh, I have no regrets about watching it. And having watched it now for a second time, I didn't have any regrets watching it again. Um, But at the same time, yeah, it's kind of weak, but it's not my weakest. My weakest is going to be Murder on the Orient Express. (laughs) Which has your favorite actor? With my boy, Sean. With... Uh, in there. I had never seen well, I'm this I'm glad you're film. saying this. Go ahead. I'd never seen this film. Um, it wasn't that I actively avoided it, but I, I wanted to read the book first. And I read the book first, and I love that book. It is a very tightly constructed, uh, skillfully done telling of a murder story that has become legendary iconic to a point where you know we we make fun of it 
And I feel like if you're making fun of something, if you're parroting it, then that means that the original oftentimes is, is so good that you almost have to lean into it and kind of make, and make light of it. Um, fantastic book. Love the book. So I went uh, and watched the Kenneth Branagh version when it came out, and it deviated significantly from the source material, which I did not mind. And I actually thought that he did a pretty good job with that film. I enjoyed, it was an enjoyable watch. So now I go to this version of it. And in many ways, the Kenneth Branagh version and the Sidney Lumet version are very similar on the surface. They have stacked casts, right? Yeah, absolutely. Really talented actors involved here. Lauren Bacall, uh, Anthony Perkins, uh, Vanessa Redgrave, my man, Sean, my man, Sean, <laughs> say that one uh, multiple times. times. There's a lot of talent here. And um, Albert Finney, of course, playing the title or not really the title role, but the role of Poirot, which is a really hard part to play and not have it come off as parody. Because yeah. he's kind of a kind of a silly guy, you know, hoity-toity, fancy sort of fellow, and it can very easily slide into uh, silliness and parody. Um, I think he did a little bit. And I <laughs> sometimes. And, and his performance for me was part of my problem with the film. I feel like only. It was not there for me. It never felt serious. I never felt the weightiness of the murder. And I certainly never felt as though he was particularly concerned about what was happening. He, he, he seemed interested. He seemed curious. But there was, it, I, I very rarely felt what I would call genuine tension or concern about the outcome. I think you're right about the tone. And I think honestly, this is one of the times where maybe direction could have helped, but also costume yes. and hair. I think that that helped create a caricature rather than a character. Mm -hmm. And I think that he probably fell into that trap. Right. And to me, like that performance might've been better for the stage than, yes. um, than the screen and like it, it required somebody that was a little bit more subtle and nuanced at least in this particular thing or he i mean he's a fine actor he probably could, oh, yeah. could do something like that but uh he he did not do that in this case yeah albert finney is a is a fantastic actor and if you've seen um any of his films i i think oftentimes he's able uh, he's in Big Fish, which he does a fantastic job in that. No, he's in uh, the Bourne films, uh, the later ones, where he plays a really terrifying character. He even has a little part in Skyfall, one of the late, the newer Bond films. He plays the groundskeeper. Uh, and again, plays this dramatic role with touches of humor. And so he has it in him to play this type of character, but he doesn't quite stick the landing on this. And then on top of that, I feel like 
some of the other roles were played through parody as well. There was a, a certain level of silliness that didn't really jive with a lot of the other performances that were going on. For example, my man, Sean, that man played it to the hilt. He is like, I'm taking this role seriously. I am, I am this guy. And he convinced me that he was inhabiting this character. But then I see some Princess Dragonoff or whatever her name is. And she's sitting there and she's like, you know, grim and serious the whole time. And then Poirot is like, you don't smile very much. And she's like, my doctor has advised against it. And I'm like, <laughs> took all the, the like, it's that silliness that, um, and it just didn't work for me. And so in the end, when he, he reveals everything, and granted, I've read the book, so I know what's coming. I know the whodunit of the whodunit. Whodunit. <laughs> there, there should be some, some emotional heft to that revelation, not just for Poirot, but for his, his audience, his 12 suspects. But as they sat there, I didn't feel much tension or drama didn't feel them saying oh gosh what is Paro gonna discover and when he reveals what he's discovered I didn't see much oh what is he gonna do with this information anxiety it all felt rather perfunctory yeah and I was I was surprised by that um with the exception and that was the person who was kind of you know pushing the plot along and that was Lauren the person played the person that Lauren Bacall is playing. Right. Um, and she did, she did a fine job of she, yes. that. And she did. And I, I have to say, I agree with you about Sean. He was my number one, very, very favorite on the screen. And I think it was because he took it so seriously. Mm-hmm. It was like, this, this is a real person. This is not, you know, whatever, some farce. Also his, his lady friend played by Vanessa Redgrave. I loved her in the role as well. Um, she was really having fun in like Vanessa. She- she was having when she when she acts that's that's like what she does you can tell it's like she's inhabiting in her role in a different kind of way and right. it's like it's like she's eating it up yes she's consuming that um inhabitant and, or whatever and so you just kind of like her sucked in there with it and the she, them, she's great those are my two favorites but Laura yeah. did a, a good job Lauren Bacall did a great job as well Vanessa Redgrave and Sean Connery had such an interesting dynamic and energy together. I wanted to see them in a different, better movie <laughs> where, where they were doing yeah. something uh, more interesting that I could watch. Yeah. Uh, but that's my week. I, I feel like it's um, it just did not have the strength. And, you know, it made me look at Kenneth Branagh's film and kind of give it a little more credit because it. I, I also feel like the plot and the characters were not given enough room to breathe in the Sidney Lumet version. Where's Brennig? And I don't know how he, he did it. I felt like the, the plot and the mystery was given more time to be displayed on screen. But honestly, I think this book, if you're going to, if you're going to adapt it, put it on stage or make it into a mini series or something, bit more time to uh to breathe and to give it that um but okay 
I'm done. I'm done. Okay. Now. Please. I agree. I agree with you. And I, I agree also about the Brannock interpretation, the adaptation by Brannock, which I liked pretty well. And I, I, I liked the, the, um, the actors that were brought in. Mm -hmm. Once I saw this film, the 1975 adaptation, it made me appreciate the uh, newer one more. And it also made me be like, oh, okay, well, I really like the acting choices and the directing choices in the newer one. I see. Mm -hmm. With the exception yeah. of Sean and Vanessa. Right. And Lauren, because again, we on a first name basis. Yes, of course. <laughs> dear friends. Dear friends, dear friends, we we love you. Um, also, that lady uh, that was the older the older lady who was on Anne of Green Gables. <laughs> what? The, the older lady who was like the grandmother, and she had like this oh yes. line of eyeliner that That's was. That's like, where I've really seen her before. Yeah, she's in Anne of Green Gables. So the entire time, oh. every time she spoke, I'm like, where's Anne? <laughs> I could not figure out where I'd seen her before. So thank you for that. There you go. I love Anne of Green Gables. That is a favorite that's on my short list. So speaking right. of short list, let's go to On Fleek. And I have a feeling this is going to be an interesting discussion as well. So um, I, I am singing for my On Fleek choice. I'm going to say much ado about nothing which is not a surprise to me because I tend to dig things by William Shakespeare. But really, until seeing this film, I had genuinely forgotten how much I enjoy Shakespeare. And it's been a while since I've seen a play or read a book or um, watched a movie that, you know, has been from that source material. So I was happy to watch this one. It was masterful. Uh, what was projected on the screen from from the from the story, and the level of intensity from having to study the language and the meanings and the double meanings and the triple meanings and like all the nuances of you know of expressive and effective filmmaking that were done on, additionally on top of all the language stuff and the acting is just amazing and just propelled like shot boom, Kenneth Branagh even higher on my short list of directors and um and actors after after watching this film and I'd already I already liked him but he just I mean like holy cow blew my mind and like why haven't I seen this film because it's right up my alley um, <clears throat> with the Shakespeare and um, just the the setting and the time. And so we've got a comedy here, which is you think Shakespeare, you think Romeo and Juliet, possibly you think Hamlet or Otello, but um, much ado about nothing is a comedy different from all the, the other tragedies you have, but you, you definitely have a brilliance in language and understanding and especially like understanding human nature. And that was one of my favorite things about this, this story and this adaptation. And I just have to say this, this film had one of the best uh, use of displaying uh, human butts that I've ever seen. <laughs> <in the film. laughs> so like you have, you have one scene on the, on the countryside, this Italian countryside. And then like, the the heroes they're coming back from war and it's just brilliant how it's it's done everybody needs to see this 
but like all the people that are already at this villa are excited that the these men are coming home from war and the men are excited that they're coming to this italian villa and they're like everybody gets naked and changing clothes and and uh getting a bath and it just made me feel like oh gosh just the world building standpoint was brilliant because to me it was like almost like they're children like they're mm. bathing and they're children and also like they're just humans and when you're dealing with humans you're gonna get stupidity you're gonna get misunderstanding you're gonna get learning and like those three points are and you're gonna get moody moods moodiness um brooding you know all these kinds of things that we deal with as humans you're going to encounter and seriously in that one scene where all the you know i'm getting flashed right and left by girls <laughs> <laughs> um and there's lots of them it just is like yeah. it just set this up you're like you're going to be it, dealing with people in this it place. really does let you know what you're in a in a strange way it lets you know what you're getting into yeah because you see fully grown adults <laughs> running around in their nothings and uh in the men's case they're wrestling in the water and you know these baths and the women are you know giggling and kind of frolicking with each other and there's Passing. this there's this <laughs> childlike quality to it yeah. there's also sensual quality to it which but i it think wasn't, is, but not sexual but it's not like, sexual no I, I i i would not say that it, it was not a titillating thing but it was a these are people who are ready to have experiences yeah these are people it was who like, are, yeah i agree are primed to have an event in their lives they're at the point where where this is this is their moment, and also like the the scene before it, and just the general mood and frivolity and use of language and openness of the the expanse of the landscape, mm -hmm. also was like these people are open and as you say primed ready to have an experience, and like you are also ready to have that experience, and this is completely thought out I'm sure by Kenneth Branagh. And um, like the storyline is already brilliant. The way it is written is already brilliant. But every single word of that text was thought about how to put that on film. Every single word. And then like the, uh, like the under meanings of things and like the things that you could possibly miss were thought about. And like, I don't even want to, how long did those people train for those specific parts? I mean, they were really thinking and like even <laughs> i like uh keanu reeves mm -hmm. um i think when he gets it he's phenomenal when when it's slightly off it's very difficult to watch um when in, in films that he's in um but in in this one people say like even him he was really even him cast in his shakespeare film and you're thinking like bill and ted's excellent adventure or you know something else the bull lake house or um even like speed or the matrix um what's you know what's what's this gonna look like and um i i felt like even him not even him because i like him but everybody was on par it was extremely well cast with a um a very very low bow to um michael keaton oh gosh <laughs> <Stole> <laughs> the show every time he got on screen 
<laughs> every time. And like, I don't, I don't feel like Michael Keaton, I would describe him as a character actor, but he played this character like none other. He was just absolute joy to watch. And um, like, who gave him that direction to come on and off the screen? Like he was on a horse and he's, he's like trotting on his legs. It's like it's like horse. it's almost like he he he's in in a Monty Python. I was just to say. You know, like he comes. You expect some guy to be banging coconuts behind him so that he can get his sound. Just so, um, I mean, just hilarious and um, you know everything from how he looks how he speaks to how he moves he it's it's a master class in in character acting i mean truly uh i i couldn't agree with you more on that point yeah i i just it was what an experience and i so i'd never seen it before i watched it uh, yesterday in the morning maybe i've now seen it like two and a half times mm -hmm. and like i keep picking it to watch and like as i'm I'm packing boxes right now and as I'm packing just to have on the, on the background just to be in that space because it's so mm -hmm. fun and um also some very serious bows nods to Denzel Washington who mm -hmm. has so much presence he's just a beautiful actor um and Kenneth Branagh every word has meaning and that's brilliant for the the, the part he was playing in this and Emma Thompson of course um just wonderful and they were married at the time this was made um yep. they are not married anymore sadly um, sadly but like that i'm sure that added to the chemistry between them and sure. the dynamic and it was just a, like wonderful wonderfully written story and like the 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 storyline the plot uh that happens it's all like it's all very simple when it comes down to it, I mean, listen to the title, Much Ado About Nothing. I mean, it's almost like, you know, people say like Seinfeld, this, the TV show Seinfeld was just a TV show about nothing, which I was always curious about. Like, why would you say that? Or even like Friends. Like, this is, this is supposed to be about nothing, but it has, you know, it's so engaging, whatever, Much Ado About Nothing. Um, and that has a lot of meanings, even just that title does. But anyway, it is a definitely a, is a is a is a bunch of nothings that are, are very much some things, and it it has it has joined the ranks of other films on my shortlist. Kenneth Branagh has uh, gone up the ranks in my shortlists as well, and Emma Thompson, good good on her, good for her, and everyone involved in this film, just fantastic. Uh, I I really could not think of anything that would even remotely be discussed as a, a weak point because it was so well thought out. So that is my on flake choice. Okay. Well, I'm going to agree with your on fleek. Uh, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, much ado. I have seen several times now and uh, it has an infectious joy to it. Um, it really does. And um Echoing everything you said, the direction, the cast, 
the um, the music, the 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 spontaneity of certain things that were obviously choreographed, choreographed, like at the end when they're all dancing around and stuff, like you know that there's some level of organization there as the camera pans out, see all this joy and frivolity. But at the same time, it feels organic and it feels genuine. And oftentimes, people get so caught up in the language of Shakespeare that they forget the movement and the actions that are supposed to go along with the words. And uh, Kenneth Branagh does a great job of giving the words um, a vitality by having engagement and action throughout. Uh, I can't think of a scene where uh, people just stood there and spoke. There was always something going on. They were dancing or they were moving or they were eating. Washing you know. in the fountain or... Yeah, there was always something. Trying to get that on. chair open. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, there, there's just always, always, always movement. Um, you have truly a fantastic cast. Everybody from a very young Kate Beckinsale and a very young Robert Sean Leonard on up through... Imelda Staunton. Yes, yes. We must, and every time I see her, I'm like, we mustn't tell lies. <laughs> must um, so, uh, but you know, everybody, everybody in it was fantastic. You stole my thunder on praising Michael Keaton, because to me, uh, I mean, truly, it, it's it's an amazing performance. It's truly one of the best things I've ever seen him do, and that's saying something. Oh yeah, um, he's fantastic. So why why was this film not nominated for all the Oscars? That that is a great question, and I do not have a good answer for you. I think that it should have been. I, I think if nobody else, that man should have been nominated because uh, he was fantastic. Um, as far as Kenneth Branagh and and Emma Thompson go, the um, they they've been in other films before. Um, for me, the most notable one that I can think of is Henry V, where she spends most of it pretending that she speaks nothing but French, uh, which has kind of a comedy all of its own. But this one, I think we've gotten so used to her doing so well with words. She has such a gift for expression. That's true. That we almost kind of take it for granted. Uh, but... I, I really love the performance that she gives in this. I feel like she's able to give you the full range of emotions within this, within this film. And, you know, there's not many parts that give you everything from I'm gleefully, blissfully happy to murder this man for me. You know? There's, there's, yeah, that was intense, brother. Right. So there's not many parts out there that will give you that. And there's not many actors who can take a part like that and, and work both ends of it so well. But she does a fantastic job in this film. Uh, like you, I can't think of anything that I would criticize about it. I think for what it is, it's pretty unassailable. I, I don't know. There is that. one character that, oh, sorry to interrupt. There is one character that gets on my nerves and 
but I don't, it's not the actor's fault. It's just, right. man, he gets on my nerves. Claudio gets on my nerves. Um, you don't like uh, Robert Sean Leonard, huh? Oh, I do like him, but the the character, I like. Oh, he's, okay. he's he's a whiny little kid, and oh, yeah. Um, the, and that, like, but that's what the story serves. Story, and that's right. like the things you get when like you're dealing with humans, right? And especially like if you're dealing with youth, and there's a lot of focus put on that, that his youth and like mm. sales youth, and boy, there are some like really big questions that are also. Uh, touched on in this film and this story the plot um um in this particular adaptation a woman's uh virtue is like a huge thing big deal huge big deal and um uh all the questions that come along with that is there is there a disparity between uh the virtue of men versus the virtue of women right. and why is that disparity there Mm -hmm. And, um, and, you know, how to deal with, with somebody that you quite claim to love and they are unfaithful to you. I mean, that's one discussion. You could also open it up to if, if man did this, is he treated any differently than if a woman is cheating right. on a, a man she's about to marry? So anyway, I asked myself these questions and I think that Shakespeare just kind of, he does that. He, he, he talks about important things in his plays and yeah. we should be we should be reading these things all the time agreed i think as light and as fun as it is it has enough depth to it to, to ask questions and they're questions that the play to some extent discusses um but there's there's plenty left um you know william shakespeare was not the arbiter of all wisdom and virtue so uh, the conclusions that he drew may not be ones that you necessarily are comfortable with. And so I think uh, Shakespeare in general um, is a good way to examine your own moral compass and your own ideas of ethics. He but, opens the door and Kenneth Branagh walk right through right. and, you know, uh, allows you to ruminate and think about what you Think about this particular topics, how you would react in this particular situation, what you would be doing. Right. So, yeah. Well, I want to talk about this movie more, but I want to give a minute or two to Matchstick Men. Okay. Um, Matchstick Men, I'm curious, for you, where does Matchstick Men come on your rankings of these four films? It was my number two. It was also my number two. Um, I, I, I'd never seen it before. It had been recommended to me, uh, a couple of occasions by my brother most recently. And I just, I, I, I looked at the cover, I read the description and I was like, eh, I don't like in general, I don't like films with con men and thieves as the protagonists. It's just never been something that, that generally wow. draws me in. Um, and so I, um, I kind of reluctantly said, when, when this came up and you said Sam Rockwell, I knew he was in that film. And so I was like, yeah, let's do that. This will give me a reason to explore this movie and see if I, if I like it. It has a fantastic cast. Nicholas Cage, Sam Rockwell are, are your leads, really. 
but it's directed by Ridley Scott, um, who's a very talented director. Very. And when I and when I say fantastic actors, I know when Nicolas Cage gets brought up as a fantastic actor, <laughs> that there's always an eyebrow raised. And believe me, I am among the eyebrow raisers. Um, <laughs> I, he, he can be fantastic and he can be intolerable. And sometimes he can be both at the same time. Um, so, it, but this movie, really had a particular charm that was kind of undeniable. And as I watched it, I, I kind of saw what was going to happen. I kind of saw what was going to unfold. And yet the ending still surprised me. And it, for me, it's one of the best con men movies that I think I've ever seen because in the end, it's about recognizing that the con is wrong and that wow. there's something better than the con. There's a, a beautiful growth that happens with Nicolas Cage's character. And I absolutely love that. I totally agree with you. And like, I, I feel kind of like Nicolas Cage is kind of like Keanu Reeves when he gets it. It's mm. great. Very compelling. Yeah. But when it's wrong, it's like, Oh my gosh, this is a train wreck. Um, so you kind of have to to sift to sift through, um, but this was definitely on a, a the plus column, and even his quirks as a person, actor, I think aided in the his portrayal of the character because of of his weaknesses and, and quirks and things like that, and uh, was able to to create a compelling world and and uh, character who was trying to navigate life and and. Living, being a, a normal person, quote unquote, normal person, when you're a con man, and this is like this is this is what you've known in your life, and Sam Rockwell, oh, just again, just why he is one of my favorites. He's on my short list. Yeah, it's just he he is so interesting. When he, everything everything he does, it just is like. You you get like stuffed into this tornado of of sensory experiences and like how does he do this I don't know but you're so charmed by him and by whoever he is playing that you just like okay I'll buy it whatever you're selling I'm buying it he in some ways has the more difficult role of the cast because. He is having to con you, the audience. And who, as else, he plays. Could, who else could do that but Sam Rockwell? Seriously. Right. He has to convince you that he is one thing when he is, in fact, something quite different. And that, in and of itself, is kind of a, a tricky thing to do and to give you just enough breadcrumbs so that when you look back, you're like, oh, yeah, you did this, this, and this. Um, my the, the thing that kind of ruined this for me and when i say ruined i don't mean it made the film bad it just gave it away for me i my day one of my day jobs is i'm a therapist and there's a psychiatrist in this film and they have him do certain things and i'm like no you cannot do that sir <laughs> like i take offense sir you the ethically you that is me, sir. So wrong. i do not bite my thumb at you sir but i do my, my um 
And so once I started seeing him and, and what some of the things he was doing, I was like, I'm not sure you are who you say you are. Um, so that kind of uh, gave it a little it bit of Tipped me off a bit, but um, I, I really like this film. I, I think what maybe does it in for me is that unlike Much Ado About Nothing, I don't know that I ever want this is going to sound harsh, but I don't know that I ever am going to want to pop that in again and watch it. Huh. I, I think I would like to. I would watch it again. If only for Sam Rockwell, I would do it. <laughs> I think for me, it had a novelty and it had an interesting point of view. And um, I, I liked it, but I did not love it. And I, and I don't think if I were to watch it again, I don't think it would grab me and hold my interest the same way that it did the first time. It, um, not just because I, I would fully know what was going on, but also because it just, um, yeah, I, I don't know. There's, it's, it's compelling and it's interesting, but it's not so compelling and interesting for me that I, I'm like, oh, got to pop that in again. I, I want to watch that again. Like something that messes with your brain and, you know, whatever, a similar fashion that you, like, I can't help but watch. Like, in right. or pretty much anything by Christopher Nolan. <laughs> it's like playing with your brain the whole time and you don't even know. Right. Um, okay. So uh, out of 10, uh, whatever is 10, 10 best actor Oscars. How many Oscar trophies, whatever those things are called? Um, are we giving the whole four? Ten, ten gold statues. Out of ten gold statues, what would you give these four films overall? Um, overall, I would say an eight. I'm going to agree. There you go. We we're pretty sympathetic yeah, this time yeah. around. I would give much ado. I would give that a ten. I'd give Mad Stigman yeah. probably an eight or a nine. Yeah. I give the other two films probably around a six. So right. We're going with an eight. Yeah, I I never felt cheated by any of these films. I I I was perfectly happy to have watched them. Um, a couple of them, you know, uh, I'm I'm not going to catch again. But I tell you that much ado that puts it. So good for me that that boosts. So good and like, as soon as this is done, and I'm like, I'm going to my room. I'm gonna put my bed, prop my bed up, my adjustable base. I'm gonna turn much to do about nothing back on yo. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go, folks. Um, Watch much to do about nothing. Uh, If you haven't, if you have watched it, go watch it again. It's it's joy. I love that you said that. It's so joyful. If you want to watch a modern day grim fairy tale, emphasis on grim in all senses of the a word, grim tale. then you feel free to check out Hannah. I, if you want to watch Murder on the Orient Express, watch Kenneth Branagh. Uh, and maybe just fast forward to the Sean Connery and Vanessa Redgrave parts on the old 1974 one. And then Matchstick Men, I think, is definitely worth a check out. You should definitely watch it at least once and, and, and just, you know, get a feel for what's going on there because it's a, it's a good Let it play one. with your brain. Let it, yeah, let it, let it, let it mess with you. There. Just a smidge. So there you go. We have given you films to make you happy, films to make you sad, and films to mess with your brain. Farewell. Yeah.